Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Gotta love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalloners. Before we get into your burning questions of the week, let's do our relaxation ritual, right? Through the nose. And hold for a few beats before exhaling. One more time, this time focusing on dropping our shoulders, relaxing our jaw, relaxing our ears, taking our tongue from the roof of our mouths. In and out. All right, now we're gonna get into it. We're ready to receive the word and the people saying shallalujah. So our first question comes from Sarah and she's got a career quandary. She said, Shallon, I need help changing my career. I've been working as a teacher's assistant for years, kind of because it was a comfortable choice because my other family members have done it, but it isn't paying me a livable wage and working in a school no longer fits my personality. I took time to write a list of 25 different and alternative careers or certificates I could get and now I'm overwhelmed and it's giving me panic attacks. I just don't express it outwardly, but I feel like I need help or advice and direction on how to move to the next stage in my life and get a more fulfilling job. So, okay, when I read that, I had the same reaction uh, that you did when you made a list of 25 careers, panic. I mean, there's not one person on planet Earth who is actually suited to 25 different careers maybe 25 different jobs, you know, but there's a difference. Maybe you could be a dishwasher, a waiter, a lunch lady, a car mechanic. Actually, a car mechanic's a pretty gnarly career. I couldn't do it. Those are all kind of interchangeable because there are jobs and they're not careers in the sense that they're meant to fulfill you and self-actualize your true talents. So I would sit down with your family and your friends and ask them what they feel your skill set is. I bet they're going to illuminate some things that you probably haven't even thought of. Maybe you're really organized. Maybe you manage people really well and always know how to diffuse a situation. Maybe you see solutions where other people get frustrated and see problems. Because once you look at this skill set that you have, like the emotional toolbox versus just, I can draw, whatever, I'm good at math. I can balance a bunch of plates in my hands. When you look at the emotional toolbox, the organization, managing people, solution oriented, then you can see what jobs you can apply those towards. Kind of instead of like working forwards, you're almost working backwards. Like you're going to let this decision about your emotional toolbox inform your options in terms of jobs, right? So that's gonna cut down on the feelings of panic. I would also, you know, look at the skill set that you have and think about your ideal life and try to work backwards on that as well. Where do you live? How much free time do you have? Are you helping people? Do you travel? Do you see yourself in a big city at the center of the action? Do you wanna be in a small town close to your family? That's what I did when I was funneling down my career choices after college, and I realized that, for better or for worse, for douchey or not douchey, I wanted to be in a big city, have some sort of social clout or fame or notoriety, 
and do something creative. So that pointed away from one career option, which was school psychologist, and towards journalism in New York City. So sit down and do some introspection, both with the people who know you best and on your own, and truly think about your ideal version of life. Think about how it feels, what it taps into. Like I said, are you being creative? Are you being technical? Are you inventing something? Are you doing research? Are you helping people? There's really no right or wrong answer, and that's almost the hardest part to get our head around because we have to break free of the expectations that other people might set on us. Like you said, you've been a teacher's assistant because other people in your family have been. Well, that's great. Other people in your family might have a different hair color. Are you dyeing your hair to look like theirs? Are you buying their exact same clothes? Are you wearing their underwear when they're not looking? No, you're your own person in a multitude of ways and your career should be a reflection of that. So you have to get to a place of authenticity. And that might ruffle some feathers and that might go against the grain of what you're used to. That's okay, as long as you're being authentic to yourself. And remember, it really is easier to go after your dreams than to constantly run away from them. Next, we have a question from Maggie and oof, it's a good one. She said, I just broke up with my boyfriend of five years after he told me he would not move with me to grad school. I wasn't gonna compromise my dreams for a man that loves me when that man that loves me won't compromise his non-dreams for me. He expected us to be friends, like, until I left. I told him that I loved him too much to be just friends. Um, And I mean, hello, with benefits, that's clearly what he meant, let's be real. And I had to end things, no further communication. I asked him if he felt like he lost me and he said no. Is there any way I can show this man what he's missing so he can make a more informed decision? And, you know, a bit for revenge. Lots to unpack here. So, oh my God, like that is so true about compromising your dreams because he won't compromise his non-dreams. I mean, oh my God. Like I feel like I'm just having these awakenings. I'm thinking of so many of my friends who do this. I mean, not my best friends because they're super smart, but like people I know who it's like, well, you know, it's my dream to live in Spain, but huh, he doesn't want to leave his hometown even though he doesn't really like it here and he has no direction and doesn't even have a job and hates his family, but ah, it's fine. Why the fuck is that fine? That is so wise about the compromising thing. So it's frustrating as obviously, and this is going to be a little bit more frustrating to hear, but truly the best way to show a guy what he's missing is to be missing to be completely absent from his life. That's the number one thing men respond to. In fact, silence and getting iced out is considered so agonizing, psychologists classify it as abuse. So that works. And look, do not be friends with him at all, at all. Guys tell themselves that and say that they want that because they don't wanna feel like the bad guy. And you know, also obviously because they wanna get all the benefits from having a girlfriend without any of the strings attached. Because then when you're like, hey, why are you spending the night and cuddling me and telling me you're missing me and then you don't speak to me for three days, where'd this going? He's gonna be like, whoa, whoa, I told you, I just wanted to be friends. Oh really, are you like giving oral to uh, Kyle and Jeff? I don't think so. I don't know, dude, maybe he is. So look, nah, when someone breaks up with me, I am an absolute ghost. I unfollow them on social media. I delete their number. I don't speak to them ever again unless they come back to me with a sweeping declaration of wanting to get back together. None of this bullshit late night breadcrumb text from him. Hey, how are you? 
You can Google me like every other stranger if you want to know how I am. You're not all in my life. You're all out of my life. And there's another thing. It's interesting that you said, how can I show this guy what he's missing so he can make a more informed decision? After five years, do you think he doesn't have the information he needs to decide how he feels about you? He knew about week five how he felt about you. This is a huge mistake we make. We think we need to stick around to keep feeding guys data about who we are so that they can love us more. He probably just doesn't know enough about me to love me. Think about what you're saying to yourself. You're saying, in essence, I'm not lovable at tier one. You got to get all the way down to like tier 10 before that love for me is going to kick in. Fuck that shit. No, I am great tier 0.5. Okay? You know just a little bit about me. You love me. And if you don't, you can go. Because other people recognize my value. My friends didn't need to get to tier 10. I, I didn't have to do this song and dance with a friend after five years. Well, she flakes on me and she tells all my secrets and she's super rude, but I think I just need to hold on to her for another five years and then we're going to get to this good place. That would be insane. You would never do that. So why do you do it with a guy? Why are you telling yourself he doesn't have enough data? And we certainly do this sexually. Well, the booty call told me he didn't want a relationship, but I, should, I need to keep sleeping with him so that I need to basically fuck him into loving me. <laughs> I spent a lot of years doing that. I just need to demonstrate my value as a sex toy to him for him to love me. Because if I don't have relentless sex with this person, there's no way he's going to see that I have value. You know what that is? That's a prostitute. That's a prostitute. But hookers get paid. And hookers aren't confused about the dynamic. They get their money, they get the dude off, and they get going. Why are we doing that? Why are we putting ourselves below, like, girls who get paid for this stuff? Why are we doing this for free? So before you stick around for someone, ask yourself if this is what you're doing, this data dump this prostitutioning of yourself and your own heart. I would be much happier if you were really out there selling it and being a sex worker. Those girls get paid, they earn their money, and they don't go to bed confused. And you know what, sweetheart? Neither should we. So Melissa had this question, and it's titled, I did something horrible. I was like, oh, I can't wait to read this. She said, Sean, yeah, I did something horrible. My best friend is studying abroad for six months, and she'll be back in February. While she was gone, I kissed the boy she likes at a party when we were really drunk. She had a lot of dates with him before she went abroad and she really likes him. I regret it so much and I hate myself for doing that. It happened three months ago and I never told her because I'm ashamed and I'm afraid the friendship will be ruined. But yesterday she sends me a message saying she heard rumors about the me the guy and I and like they were really vague so I denied them but I don't know what she believes. What should I do? Ooh. This is a sticky wicket. On one hand, like, deny till you die, right? Like, if you're going to lie, you got to take it all the way and you have to deny it, like, to your grave. If no one can prove anything and she doesn't seem overly concerned, maybe just let sleeping dogs lie? But on the other, if you think that coming clean completely and conveying how sorry you are could really go a long way, I mean, maybe do that because it might really go a long way. No one likes to feel gaslighted. If she has suspicions, then making her feel crazy will actually be the thing that ruins the friendship, you know? Not even so much the kiss. But look, 
If you do confess, then don't just say you're sorry. Tell her why you did that. Because I feel like maybe it has to do more with her than with him. Like, I'm sure he's cute and all, but there was some underlying motive for going after her dude. And if there is, get to the root of that and convey it. Because then that will help you understand why it happened and help her understand why it won't happen again because you've learned from it. And like we think about, you know, Jordan Woods and Tristan Thompson and Khloe Kardashian. And the thing that makes me dislike Jordan in this is that she doesn't come to any sort of understanding about herself or the situation. It's just, it's deflection, it's denial, it's not really facing the music, it's like codifying everything she's saying, like, we were drunk. Like, okay, but why of all the men on planet Earth, you had to kiss Chloe's man. Like, why him? Why him? Is your self-esteem really low? Like, do you get off on taking some other girl's guy? Like, we talked about that when it comes to the side chick and the mistress. And I'm saying this as someone who was the side chick and the mistress for a very long time. So, like, I'm pointing the finger at myself. Like, my self-esteem was low and it wasn't enough to just get the guy. I had to get the guy and get, and stick it to the girl because then I felt like hyper successful. And I needed that because my ego was hyper atrophied. Like, I was a hypo ego. I, I had such a big hole in me that just getting a guy was not enough to fill it. So, I don't know. Maybe there's an element of that going on. Maybe there's a reason of all the dudes you had to go for the one your friend is into. Then again, it stands to reason we would be attracted to the same people that our friends are because we're pretty similar to our friends. So ostensibly, we're going to be attracted to kind of the same sort of dudes. Like it happens. It really does happen. And you spend time with them. You talk to them about your friend. You get close and blah, blah, blah. And maybe there's an element of jealousy. Maybe you want what she has. Maybe you look up to her. And this is kind of a way consciously or unconsciously to either step inside her life and cosplay as her and those successes or stick it to her and take her down a few pegs. But get to the root of that, even if it's ugly. And even if you think it's going to make her more mad, I mean, who knows? Maybe it will. If she's going to ditch you as a friend, she's going to ditch you as a friend, right? But if you can reach some sort of awareness, you can at least prevent this from happening again in your own life. And you can prevent yourself from just being in the doghouse emotionally forever and painting yourself as the villain and the bad guy. Because once you start to wear that mantle, you live it. I mean, I'm the slut, you know, I'm the bad girl. I take everyone's boyfriend, I'm the mistress. And then you find a certain pride in it and then it just goes on forever and it erodes you. All because you don't want to sit with the truth of a situation and get to the bottom of it. So... Sit with that and remember, that is what people want to hear. I'm sorry and this is why I will never engage in that hurtful behavior again. But you can't say that with any veracity and authenticity. You can't sell that if you don't actually have the answers yourself. So I'm excited about this question because I've actually wanted to talk about this topic for a while and I didn't have like a celebrity to peg it to. And this is why I do the podcast so I can talk about things that have no celebrity tie-in. So... Allison said, I'm going through a breakup and I feel like my ex really used me in so many ways. That's the title. Ooh, brutal. She said, I feel like I'm always getting used by guys or end up with total jerks who take advantage of me, but it's so hard for me not to be too nice and forgiving. I'm just naturally an empath, even with friends and colleagues. And I try to always understand people and forgive them for whatever they do because it gives me peace in my heart. 
but it always ends up blowing up in my face later because men don't appreciate me or value me as much as I feel like they should. How do I raise my standards while still being happy and myself? Mm -hmm. One word I have grown to see as very toxic is empath. It means like you're empathetic, like you are basically someone who is attuned to the needs of others. You're high sensitive, high vibration in a good way. But from my experience, it's sort of a self-serving way to dress up low self-esteem, desperation, and a lack of personal boundaries. And believe me, I say this as someone who's been there. I'm not spineless. I'm just really sensitive and caring. I'm not desperate. I just love to forgive people. And I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because that's what a caring, empathetic person does. Horse shit. Horse shit. I tried to dress up my behavior in whatever cutesy terms I could, but at the end of the day, they were what they were, and they were not working, nor were they healthy. And it's there's a theory, and it's probably very true, that people who were abused or grew up in like a very sort of tense, toxic environment became empaths because they were constantly attuned to the mood of everyone around them. Because, hey, if mom ain't happy, I might get hit. If dad ain't happy, I don't get any dinner. So it's almost like it's a coping mechanism and we see that as like a good thing. And look, it's important to find the silver lining out of really bad situations, it is. But we have to sort of limit that and we have to compartmentalize it. We can say, you know what? My sensitivity got me through a really difficult time where I didn't have any other power, I didn't have any other tools, but now I'm an adult and I don't need to be afraid of how everyone is feeling. I don't need to forgive everyone. And I feel like that's kind of the place you're at. Because whenever we experience a pattern with guys, we have to accept that we are the common denominator. This obviously, you know, that's the bad news because it's much easier to think the humans at large are terrible and has nothing to do with us. But the good news is that we alone are in control of our destiny and uh, behaviors. We can't con control guys, but we can control ourselves. So I think you need to make an honest inventory of all the behaviors that are not serving you. And if you don't know what they are, ask your friends, because oh, believe me, girl, they've been watching and they've been taking notes of their own. And I think deep down, the reason you're not happy is because, like, how could you be? You know that you're breaching your boundaries, lowering your standards, and letting people ride roughshod over you because you're desperate to keep them around. That is the point blank truth. Like, it's pretty hard to be happy with yourself uh, when that's what you're doing. You know you're worth more and you deserve better. So that's what you need to focus on developing, that inner core of self-esteem. This actually has nothing to do with boys. This is all coming from you. And I guarantee if you look around at other aspects of your life, you're going to see these kinds of dynamics play out also. So focus on you. Develop your hobbies. Deepen your friendships. Set professional goals and get into a fitness routine. Craft a life that you genuinely enjoy. And then when some guy comes along, some jerky friend, you're going to be coming from a place of strength. And the concept of dialing down your standards or forgiving someone when now you don't have these rose-colored glasses on and red flags are red flags, it's going to be inconceivable because you will know empirically what you're worth and not a drop less. Our final question comes from Lainey. She said, I have a question about a guy I'm currently seeing. I've been seriously talking to him for about two to three months now. Everything's grad and frat alumni, that's what he is. He does nice things like take me to the airport, buys me gifts, brings me medicine when I'm sick. However, 
I've noticed recently that he's not replying as quickly as he used to. Not in the mood for sexual things besides making out. Like, we haven't even slept together yet. And he's wanting to hang out with his friends more. Do you think he still likes me? Should I ghost him? I don't know what to do. Because he gets me gifts and does nice things, but he's acting weird all of a sudden. So... I think he's doing all these spontaneously nice things, the airport, the medicine, the gifts, when he feels you slipping away and he's doing it as a way to keep you on the hook. It's extremely strange you have not slept together yet. Like, unless you guys are both virgins and this is something you've talked about, like, after two or three months, you should not just be talking, like, you should be dating. Remember what I said about how guys don't need endless amounts of time to decide how they feel about you? They know. Why? You say it with me. Men are hunters, and a hunter doesn't dick around because his prey is going to get scooped up by somebody else. So I would guess that he's seeing a lot of other girls, if not having like an entire other serious girlfriend that you don't know about. That's actually what I would put my money on because I feel like he's compartmentalizing his cheating. Like, oh, it's only kissing, so it's not that bad. Or like, we're basically just friends. Like, whatever, I drove her to the airport because like we haven't slept together. Guys, when they cheat, they make these weird technicalities and loopholes in their mind. Like, like suddenly they're contract lawyers. Like, well, per Article 11. It's like, who the fuck? What are you doing? Like, cheating doesn't work that way. Like, the heart doesn't work that way. Have you ever met a woman who this is like, worked on? Dude, no. Like, you are dead in the water. If you're making out with another girl, you are a dead man walking. Certainly, if you're doing lovey-dovey stuff like buying her gifts, I swear to God, murder. Murderville times a thousand. Like, I would rather know that my boyfriend slept with a prostitute because it's transactional, whatever. She ain't into him. Then that he's driving some other girl to the airport. Two, two people are going to die today. So basically, you've got two options. Pull away and be vague and just say something like, you know, I don't know where I see this like going because it's not really going anywhere. Or you can call him out completely and ask, hey, why are you so hot and cold? Why don't you want to sleep with me? Who are you with? What's going on? But then again, he's probably not going to give you a straight answer or tell you the truth. Like if he's being duplicitous, he's going to, like we said earlier, deny till he dies. I think overall, though, this guy is a dead end. You know my theory. If someone wants to be with you in a legitimate way, they make it very clear very soon. They don't bide their time for weeks and months and risk you getting snatched up by someone else. If that's not what he's doing, then that is what it is and keep it moving. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Chalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage.